0: I don't know if you've noticed this before, Ed. In all the years when we were doing terrestrial radio back in the 90s, when it was fun to do it, and, and then during during the time that you've been with me here on Socks in the Basement, sitting here doing the podcast for fans, by fans, quickly approaching our 500th episode here at the 9-Foot homemade Oak Bar. Even the podcast we don't speak of anymore that we did for 10 years before this one? No, we definitely don't speak of that in, in, in any way. Uh, but throughout that entire thing, I think you would say I'm kind of a perfectionist. Like, I hate when something goes wrong on my show.
1: Yes, to the point where you preemptively tell people when I am producing the show at times, just so nobody thinks that you screwed up, anticipating that <laughs> I'm not going to do it as well as you do it. Even though I was literally your producer and was the guy that
0: produced everything back in the day. Right. So in short, I'm kind of an ass when it comes to it. So here's, yes. here's what happens on the last show. I totally screw up. And it's driving me nuts. It's been eating me up ever since the show that came out. And if you didn't hear the show last week, you're not going to find the mistake because I've gone back and fixed it twice because that's how that's how I am. First, what happened is I wrote down all of my notes before the show as to what I wanted to hit on and somehow screwed up Bob Nightingale and John Heyman. So the first hundred people that listen between one o'clock in the morning and about 6 a.m. Because most people, luckily, I was up early. I'm sitting on the toilet, I'm flipping through my phone and all of a sudden I think to myself, wait a minute, did I say Bob Nightingale said that on the score instead of John Heyman? And I'm running downstairs and and, and re-recording a sentence so I can fix it for everybody else and then waiting for it to be... With toilet
1: paper on your foot and the whole night. Oh yeah, and
0: waiting for it to be distributed and then I'm just miserable, I can't go back to bed my, my day has started earlier than I wanted to. I'm aggravated. I'm walking around. I'm just ticked off that I screwed up the beginning of the show. It just annoys me. We're going to get thousands and thousands of downloads off of that. And, and the first hundred people heard it. And I'm like, I'm angry about it. Right. So now as the day goes on, I have to go teach a class on podcasting. Think, think about how ridiculous this is. I'm at the Evergreen Park Library doing a free class. There's like 25 people in the room and they're there like at different levels of podcasting and they came to see me talk about how to do a podcast, how I do what I do, give them kind of a tutorial, answer their questions. It was a fun class and halfway through it, I bring up that episode specifically in my editor that I had brought there so I could put up on the big screen. And I go, listen to this, how you can do this with things on different tracks. And as I'm playing it, I realize right there in front of this entire class where I'm pretending I'm an expert in podcasting. I realize that when I moved and changed the very beginning to fix the name that I had screwed up, I didn't move the music. So now the next thousand people that listen to the show and a lot of you out there listen to this, you heard me stop talking. And there was like five seconds of deadness. And then the song started, <laughs> cause I screw that up too, Ed. So I, like, I mean, and, and I should be professional enough to just pretend that it didn't happen, but it has literally made my skin crawl for the last three days. And I did it in front of a class. I'm sitting there trying to act like I'm an expert, and I was an idiot.
1: What you're saying is it would not be representative of you to be wearing an accountability zero shirt from the socks in the basement store because you are taking full accountability for these momentary lapses in technical skill that probably most people just blew off and were like, huh? exactly and moved with their lives.
0: Exactly. I'm not sitting around right now telling you, as Rick Hahn is telling you, that there's all kinds of people that think that I'm very talented, so don't worry about my mistakes. Like he keeps talking about like all these other people around the league. I mean, everybody agrees. Look at all this talent on this team. It's not talent. It's not that's not your issue. You have talent. Guess what? All the other major league baseball teams have talent, too. They all have a guy that's really good, like Luis Robert Jr. They all have a guy that's up and coming. They all have a guy that can throw really well and just has a few kinks that he needs to work out. There's plenty of talent across major league baseball. The the thing you're not good at is consistency teaching a system in which everybody who comes up is ready for the way that your manager wants them to perform and how the team expects them to play the game because it's taught at a systematic level and you don't have any depth and you can't handle injuries. And then you you have to rush guys back from injury so they're rehabbing while they're on the fly at the major league level, which adds the more injury. You can't give rest to people. And, and this cascade is why you're basically a 500 team. You were a 500 team last year and you've been a 500. 500 team this year, with the exception of your start, like if you go back 20 games, they're basically at 500. If you go back 30 games, they're basically about 500 with the exception of the bad start. They're a 500 baseball team. They're just worse than 500 this year because they had the bad start. There's never a point where they go on a run and they go 15 and five. That's never going to happen. It feels like because it hasn't happened in years now with this team. And one of the big reasons is every injury, you have no depth. And because of that, you can't get on a roll because injuries happen, problems happen in a team, and you're not able to overcome them.
1: Well, and there's two developments that are kind of going on right now that sort of sh- you know show your point, right? Mike Clevenger went on the DL. Lance Lynn goes on the bereavement list, okay, but he doesn't miss a start, so we're we're good there. But Clevenger's out, so you're trying to fill in from the minors, and and you're trying to you're basically going to have to do bullpen days. You don't have a starting pitcher that's ready to come up. And in the meantime, very quietly, Michael Kopech had started to turn things around, right? And he's doing better, and he's he's getting in a little bit deeper into the game.
0: Second best pitcher on the staff, if you look at second his overall... Second best pitcher on the staff. If you look at most of his numbers, a lot of his metrics have him like second best. I think he's got the second best whip on the staff. I think he's got the second best ERA right now on the staff. Like he He's actually been so good. When you look at how bad he started, that's how good he's been to get to that overall number to those overall numbers at this point.
1: But what's been going on is, in the month of June, he started out going seven innings against Detroit, throwing 92 pitches. He needed 100 pitches to get through five innings against Miami. He needed 102 pitches and only went four and a third against Seattle. And he gets pulled after 86 pitches. By his own admission, he doesn't have it against the Rangers. And he only goes four innings. He's starting to not be able to get deeper into games. He's starting to not be able to to close out and get... You know, and, and do these things. Some of this is a guy who pitched 119 innings only last year is going to hit, he's going to hit a wall at some point. He's going to hit a dead arm period. He's going to have something go on where he's going to start losing a little bit of it again and he's going to backslide a little bit. It happens to every pitcher every year. It's, it, it, it's okay. It's not a, a panic bell, but you don't have the ability to sit there and say, Hey, Michael, we're going to skip you a start here or there. And we're gonna maybe go to a six-man rotation to give you some rest. We're gonna no, they got to rely on him to suddenly become almost a two-hundred-inning guy this year because they don't have any depth. Meanwhile, Jimmy Lambert, might you know, if he's if he's the odd man out in the bullpen because you've got Tuki Toussaint, we could talk about him. But if Jimmy Lambert ends up going down to Charlotte with Lance Lynn coming back. You wonder if Jimmy Lambert is losing his spot in the bullpen because they're going to go down there and and send him down there and try and stretch him out to start again on the hopes that he can be a four- or five-inning guy and be brought back up in case of emergency because you just don't really have much going on down there. Your your best pitcher in Charlotte remains Nate Fisher, who's pretty unproven, and you keep relying on Jesse Schultens to come up, but then you're using him in bullpen situations. He's not a starter. So the, the, the talent, you're right. On the surface, the 26-man roster talent, there's a lot of it there. The hubris of thinking that talent is all you need to run a successful baseball team and have a successful run on the field is what's holding this team to 500. And the inability to sit there and say, we need more than 40 guys to make this happen. Because you need more than your 40-man roster to really be a successful franchise and have a successful team and have a successful season. No gots for the White Sox.
0: Yeah, you want to talk about Tuki Toussaint. I, I saw an interesting thing that like guys in their debut with the White Sox with the most innings that they didn't give up a hit, and it was Wilson Alvarez who throws a no hitter. I remember watching that as, as as a youngster, and it was oh, his, yeah. his first time he ever pitched for the Sox. And then it was Tuki with four innings, his first four his first start. He went four innings or his first appearance. He goes four innings, and he doesn't give up a hit. And 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 you sit there and you say, oh, who's this guy? Who's this guy? I'll tell you who he is. He's a guy I've been chasing in fantasy baseball for years where I see him and he's keeping guys off base. He's got a low whip. He's got a pretty good ERA. He's got really good metrics and he goes on a run for about three, four weeks as a starter. And you're like, Oh, he's going to be awesome. And then he completely falls apart. And then he goes to a different team and he does the exact same thing. Then he completely falls apart. And then he ends up down the minors and then he gets used as like a relief pitcher. And that's why he's in the bullpen. And hopefully he's an effective reliever. It'd be nice to see him finally figure out that role. But please stop printing up the uh, Tuki Toussaint uh, uh, T-shirts and memorabilia so quickly. It was a, it was a really nice, foreboding appearance. But let's let's not let's not start thinking that Rickon the sc- scouting department figured something out suddenly because the track record doesn't suggest it. Not for a guy who's on his fourth franchise. No. Ed, you and every listener here to Sacks in the Basement, whenever you come along, a need for exterior windows, doors, patio doors, storm doors. No high pressure sales. You are in the showroom at Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. Instead of having somebody come out and sit in your house and ask for something to drink and put their feet up and, and, and carry in these dingy, dirty, tiny window samples that have been God knows where, and then you're supposed to imagine what it looks like in their house. And then they sit there and they tell you, uh, here's the deal, but that deal changes the moment I walk out the door. That does not happen at Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. Instead, what you do is you show up, the owners in the showroom, great staff there, all the window etchings are there, full designs, Full-size display, all the doors, all the extras. You get to take a look at everything the way it's going to be. And then when you're ready, you buy. And then the owners are on site with their own workers. They're not farming it out. They're going to make sure you get a perfect fit. They're going to custom design everything for you. It's a half block east of 159th and Ridgeland. They've been doing it like this for 40 years in Oak Forest since 1985. See them at 6280, 159th Street. For more information, check out windowdooroakforest.com. Let's get to the Sox nerds, shall we?
2: All right, Chris, here come the big bad Boston Red Sox, and I must say, There is a little extra buzz around the ball yard when the Red Sox come to town. The fact that Boston traditionally travels well certainly adds to the atmosphere. The White Sox, as I like to call them, have won the season series the last two years from Boston, and that hasn't happened in seven seasons. The last time the White Sox won three straight season series from the Red Sox was when they won four in a row from 1962 to 1965 in an era when the teams played each other 18 times a year. If you're looking for a pick to click this weekend, how about Luis Robert Jr.? Good old number 88 has slashed 366, 395, and 561 with nine RBI in 10 games against the Red Sox. I really hope Tim Anderson is back for the weekend. He destroyed the Red Sox last year, hitting 476, which was the Sox's best output against Boston since Paul Canerco hit 478 in 2012. It'd be nice if Lance Lynn got a start this weekend as well. The big guy is 2-1 with a 2.05 ERA in eight games against the Red Sox. Who should you stay away from? How about Gavin Sheets, who is the worst hitter in White Sox history against Boston? Sheets has the most White Sox at bat against Boston. That's 18 without a hit. It may be hard to stay away from Sheets on the final day of the series, though. For some bizarre reason, Sheets plays great on Sundays, hitting 367 with two homers and five RBI on the day. On every other day, Sheets is batting a paltry 206. It may not be a bad idea to skip Dylan Cease in the series. The right-hander is 0-1 with a 9.98 ERA in four starts against Boston. With the exception of 2020, the Soxes have been playing every year since 1901. So there's a lot of history between these charter members of the American League. Babe Ruth hit the first of his Sox opponent record 98 home runs for the Red Sox on July 12, 1919 at Comiskey Park. Speaking of Ruth, He was the final out when the White Sox clinched the pennant with a win against the Red Sox on September 21, 1917. But the Sox game against the Red Sox that sticks out in my memory came 17 years ago. On July 9, 2006, the Sox needed 19 innings to trim Boston 6-5 at then-named U.S. Cellular Field. The only thing that was more interesting than the drama that was building that day was Ed Farmer giving play-by-play of his flight cancellations as the last game before the All-Star break wore on. When Tadahito Aguchi drove in the winning run six hours and 19 minutes into the game, I swear Farmer was halfway to Midway Airport by the time Alex Cintron crossed the plate. Now for my zinger. Carlton Fisk is the all-time leader among those who wore only white and red socks with 376 home runs. The player who is second all-time in homers among those who played exclusively with the socks and socks is Yohan Moncada with 85 home runs. That's it, Chris. That's probably more than you ever wanted to know about the two Sox. And
0: that's probably the only time you're ever going to hear a statistic where Yoan Moncada and Carlton Fisk are in the same breath.
2: That's the beauty of the Sox nerds.
0: I find it interesting. We're going to see Boston and you're bringing up the idea that you may, ha- you may need extra pitching, right? Like, the, the, like right. look at what's going on with Michael Kopech. They're basically using a six-man rotation right now. And they're two out of the wild card, even though they're last place in the American League East because of how crazy things are. You know, we're in the division that at, at this moment, as we're talking, doesn't even have a team that's above 500 in it. And, and a team like the White Sox is still only five and a half games out, which is ridiculous. But you you look at the East, everybody's in playoff contention because of the wild card setup, And they've had to with some of their pitchers, especially like you got a guy like James Paxson. He's only going one every six. He's not going one every five. It's not a five man. It's a six man really out there. And they're able to do it. Why? Depth. They have depth, Ed. It's going to be on display when you play them now. Yeah. Well, the Red
1: Sox, they, they lost one of their starters just now. Uh, Tanner Hawk uh, got whacked in the face by a line drive. So he's on the IL. And they immediately had a guy that was, that was, they were working out of their bullpen, starting into their starting rotation, a guy named Cutter Crawford, who, yes, does throw a cutter, and he's, he's been slowly working into the rotation. They had Paxton, who they took a flyer on. You know, he's, he's been out of the league for how many years with injuries? They're still holding on to guys like Nick Pavetta, who had been a starter for them last year. They have depth. They just have guys. And they have the ability to bring somebody up and bring somebody along. Meanwhile, the White Sox are sitting here. And, and again, one of the problems is not talent. But you can't expect Aaron Bummer to go multiple innings. You can't expect Garrett Crochet right now to be stretched out to go four or five innings when he's just coming back from Tommy John surgery. And you've turned Ronaldo Lopez from a swing man into a high-leverage guy. Kendall Graveman's a high-leverage guy. Joe Kelly's a high-leverage guy. Gregory Santos is not a multiple-inning guy. You just don't have two or three guys that you can sit there and go, if we needed to go – and have a couple guys jump from the bullpen and go up and say, okay, you're going to give us four innings just to start a game, or you're going to be a bulk reliever following somebody. They can't do that. And, and Tampa does that. Tampa's been known to do that all the time. Baltimore has pitchers coming out of their ears. They just seem to have more than enough pitching. The Yankees, who don't have enough pitching, seem to have enough pitching. The Blue Jays... I don't know where they're getting all their pitching from because th- their best pitcher is down in Arizona in the Arizona League trying to remember how to throw <laughs> yeah, fastballs. Yeah, he's got,
0: he's got the pitching yips. That guy, Alex Manoa, basically just like, "Hey guys, uh, over the over the winter, I forgot how to how to I pitch. Forgot I forgot how to
1: do everything." <laughs>
0: i I don't know what happened. I think I bumped my head at some point while I was on vacation, but I just can't figure out how to do this. Oh man, well, we're gonna have to figure something out. Guess what? They're over 500 and they're in the playoff race. and they're they're doing a lot better than this team. okay, uh, listen, I, I I look at the depth and I look at what's come up over the last couple of days, and I can't help but think about the the Pedro Griffal comments on Zach Remillard and Jose Rodriguez. Because if you listen to anybody that covers the minors for the White Sox, and we've had several of them on before, James Fox comes to mind right off the top of my head from Future oh, Sox. Yeah. And the uh, they keep telling me, Jose Rodriguez, this guy comes up here. This is an everyday kind of player. You want to see what he can do. He could be somebody who plays on this team. He's definitely a major leaguer. And then he gets up here, and he's not going to get to start any games. Pedro was asked about it. He goes, no, I'm going to give all those starts to Zach. Zach Remillard has five hits. And, and his manager is in love with him to the point where that's the only guy he'll consider to get those starts. And his manager loves him so much, he said it out loud that he's not going to give starts to the other guy. He's going to give them all the Zach Remillard. Does that shock you?
1: What, that the White Sox, first of all, would take until he's 29 years old to bring Zach Remillard up to the major leagues?
0: No, doesn't shock me.
1: No, or that the more highly touted prospect is going to sit on the bench and not get a chance to show anything for a team that's under five hundred and could use a boost to their offense and their defense anywhere they could
0: find it. No, that's par for the course with this this uh, organization. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't yeah. shock me.
1: Or the fact that they've already moved on from London Sosa, that you know he's, he's not even the guy up here anymore. Right. Uh, yeah, no, and um, yeah, I, I mean— Zach Remillard, I, look, I gave him some love coming out of spring training. He had a good spring training and I said, "Look, if you're looking for a guy who can play all over the field and you want to have a utility guy in your bench, Remillard has done that in the minors, played pretty well all over the field, infield, outfield, whatever. Had a good spring. I don't think he's an untalented guy, is but he's 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 not he's a little like Romy Gonzalez. He's not really ever been a prospect per se. He's just he's a minor league guy that probably has enough talent to do something in the majors, but will not be a star in all likelihood. Unless he's discovered something amazing in the meantime here, in which case, good for you, Zach Remillard, and good for the White Sox for letting you go in the offseason. season. It hasn't happened yet, but we know what's going to happen. So, in fact, you know what we should really do is we really should give out the staff of Cork and carry right now. Who, who, who are you giving it to? Well, I mean, Luis Robert over the past... Now, we, we haven't given out in some time. Luis Robert over that time period has a, an OPS of... 1009 slugging percentage of 647 on a 275 average. That's good. Really That's very well. good. He's he's clearly the best player on the team. Uh, yeah, quietly Yasmani Grandal, maybe not so quietly, actually doing pretty well too. A 289 average, 703 OPS is pretty respectable. He's he's doing doing his job. Uh, you know, you got a bunch of other guys kind of scuffling along there. Ben Intendi's doing okay. I know he's been a past winner. Jake Berger's on a cold streak. I as much as I'd love to give it to him. But you know what? Based on what Pedro has said and and the anointing of Zach Remillard as this team's offensive savior, I guess (laughs) he gets the staff a cork and carry this week. (laughs) He's got a 294 average. He is doing well in that regard. He has not struck out a whole bunch. Hold on a
0: second. He's got a 294 slugging percentage, too. He's like Nick Mandrigal, but not as good. At least in the small sample size, he's getting the staff oh, of Cork and Carey. <laughs> he, he might be smarter on the base pass than yeah, you know. What? He, he might be, and I, I look. I don't want to put the guy down. I just think it's crazy for the manager to just basically say this is my guy and this isn't my guy after only a couple of games with one guy and not even getting a look at the other guy. But then again, I mean,
1: and that's that's it's that's
0: ridiculous. Absolutely, par for the course. It, it's it's completely expected. But
1: look, in terms of Zach Remillard being a worthy holder of the staff of Cork and Carey. Honestly, a minor league journeyman who comes up and, you know, gets a bunch of hits and is hitting 294 and gets some playing time. I, You know, this might be his moment in the sun, so I, let, let him have the staff, too. I mean, just just for nothing else, good for you for sticking with it and getting up here, pal.
0: All hail Zach Remillard, the holder of the mighty staff of Cork and Kerry Cork & Carry is the proud sponsor of the podcast for fans, by fans, Sox in the Basement, 33rd and Princeton, shadow of the ballpark. They're your home base for White Sox pregame, postgame. Get the kids over there beforehand, get them fed. Afterwards, have a drink, commiserate, or celebrate with White Sox fans. Learn more at CorkAndCarry.com. Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes, in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from six to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115 year old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing shoes. All right. So I don't think Zach Remillard is uh, good enough to be in the All Star consideration. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Uh, Louis Robert. I would say not. No. Louis Robert Jr., who you mentioned, is definitely in it. In fact, at this moment, I believe he's a shoe in. He, he's not going to get the, the fan voting, but if he's not on the roster, it would be just an absolute travesty. Okay. I was going through some of his stats here. And I was just kind of like, I was just kind of curious, like, where is everybody sitting when we're looking at uh, at, at at the all-star game? Like who, who's gonna be the White Sox rep? Who can I realistically say probably an all-star? He's third in the American League right now in home runs. He should be in the he should be in the home run derby if he wants to go be in it. He's ninth overall in the American League in OPS. He's an outstanding defensive player. You can't even question that. And when you compare him against actual outfielders, because Shohei and Joran Alvarez are really DHs. If you if you compare him against actual outfielders, only a Rosarena and Yoshida, I think that's it, and Austin Hayes, those three are the only three that have a higher OPS than Luis Robert Jr. So, I mean, like that's the guy. That's who I'm expecting to be in the All-Star game. I had somebody tweet at me, After the episode, the last episode with Ashlyn Berger talking about her efforts to get her husband Jake Berger into the All-Star game. Cute story, but he's not an All-Star. Well, at the time that the tweet was made, he was 10th in the American League in OPS. Right now he's 13th because, as you said, he's kind of on a cold streak. But he's still in the picture there. And when you take a look at what he's doing in terms of home runs, he he doesn't even have the official qualifying at bats because of the way the White Sox have used him. He's only got 187, where a lot of the other guys on the list around him are at about 250. And in 187 at-bats, he's got 16 home runs, and that places him sixth right now in the American League. So when I I look at him, I I don't think he's home run derby uh, eligible. or A lot of guys would have to turn it down because you're going to use American League and National League. He's not even in the top 10 there, Okay. But in the American League, he's got the right numbers where you can make an argument at least a guy that comes in uh, like at the end for like an injury replacement or something like that. When I look at pitchers, though, Ed, I can't find anybody. The closest thing is Lucas Giolito. He's nowhere near the top 10 in any major categories. You can't even make an argument. He doesn't have the wins. He doesn't have the ERA. He doesn't have the walks and hits per innings pitched. He doesn't have a lot and very many metrics at all that come close or get him anywhere close to the top 10 in pitchers in the American League. So, I mean, I would think the only arm you could possibly see is, let's say, Liam Hendricks is healthy and they want to bring him in because it's a great story. But in terms of pitchers, I don't see it. So it's really Luis Robert Jr. And then you should be rooting for that second guy getting in. Most likely, the best chance, I would say, of being the second guy getting in is Jake Berger. Well, I mean, based on that,
1: when you're talking about ranking against other American League players, and that's that's what the All-Star game is, yeah, he's... How, how can you argue against him other than the fact that he's basically been used as a part-time player? Okay, you, you, you could sit there and say, well, what about, say, Dylan Cease, who is still top 10 in strikeouts, but he has a 422 ERA. He's really not doing well, and Lance Lynn's ahead of him in strikeouts, and his 651 ERA is not going to make him an all-star. You just you don't have anybody on the staff that's really standing out. I, I could see Michael Kopech, honestly— being in the conversation, yeah, but he's got three wins. I
0: know win is a stupid stat, but they're not going to put a guy in that's got an under five hundred record and, and and is fringy at best, a- and an ERA term- over four. Right, I, 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 exactly. that's what I'm saying.
1: Like if you're talking about guys turning it down and somebody making an appearance that that comes to the you know a bunch of these pitchers aren't going to get involved in the All Star game because they you know they appreciate the nomination but they don't want to actually appear. Uh, Kopech is a guy that that maybe falls down on that list.
0: Well, I think Giolito has got the best out of all of them, but he's outside. But I think Giolito has the inside he's track. Had, he's there. probably Between the, got two the of them. They're track. right
1: next to each other in almost every stat. Giolito's just a little bit better. I
0: think wins is a is a stupid stat when it comes to to starting pitchers because it's all it's all relative, right? Like I enjoy a guy who can go out and get twenty wins. Don't get me wrong. You know, you you figure out who's a really good pitcher when they're on a bad team. Not because of their win loss record. You look at how many guys put they they put on base. You know how many runs they're giving up. What their fielding independent pitching are. All those things are far more important. But you know you've got McClanahan for Tampa Bay with eleven wins, and iavaldi has got nine, and Cole's got eight, and you got uh, Zach Eflin with eight. He's eight and three. Kyle Gibson's eight and four. Uh, Dean Kremer is it Kremer with Baltimore? I mean he's so new, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I'm gonna go with Kremer, even though yeah, phonetically you would say Creamer. Because there's, there's only one M in there. But I'm going to go with Kremer. I'm guessing that's how they say it. Eight and three. Okay. You got a lot of guys in here with ERAs that are below three. You got a lot of guys with whips that are sitting at 1.10 and below. You got a lot of guys with really good fielding and, depend, and pitching numbers. And you have this whole group that's sitting up there. And they're well above the best White Sox pitcher. So I, I think like, you look at Luis Robert Jr. You can make a slam dunk case. This guy's an all-star. Right? So he's... He deserves to be there. He's not on there just because the Sox have to send a representative. He's an all-star. I don't know if you're getting anything else on the team. And if you are, I would say you got a better chance with a guy who's got almost 100 less at-bats than him and only two less home runs in Jake Berger. That, I mean, like, that's, that's the closest thing you have is what I'm saying as a guy that if you're trying to root for a second guy to get in. Now, I know there's a, there's a lot of fans out there right now who are like, who cares? Stick a fork in the season. I love the comments. Do you ever look at this on social media? You, oh, yeah. Th- there are people who are hate watching this team. And look, I get aggravated with the team and I want the clean house. I, I saw a thing online the other day where I was asked where the question put out to everybody was, uh, you know, do you want this team to still win the division? And my answer was yes. I would love for them to win a division. I would love to see something improbable where they end up a game over 500 and win in the worst division race ever in the history of Major League Baseball, right? And then they get destroyed probably in the playoffs. But, like, like well, I would love to see them win it. You know, life is short. Go win it. But if they're not going to win it, I would love to see them, like, lose by a lot. Because if you're not going to get into the postseason, lose by a lot. So finally something happens up there in that front office and there's a bloodletting. Like, that's, that's how I feel as a fan while I'm watching the thing. But I can still sit there and watch it and appreciate some of the players that are in it. There's a lot of people, no matter what you ask them, are like, I don't care. Hate this team. Hate everything about it. Not watching them anymore. I think I'll start watching the Cubs. Like, I'm so sick of reading this stuff. Honestly, we get it. You're angry. Unfortunately, they're not going to let the fan base take a vote, and that's going to determine what Jerry does. Because Jerry doesn't care about any of you. He never has. So it doesn't matter how aggravated you are. So, I mean, like, I just don't get that. I, do me a favor, everybody. Just... Stop picking on your fellow White Sox fans out there because I I do this. I scroll for like about 20, 30 minutes a day. You know, I get bored with what I'm doing. I start looking through all the different postings and all these different Facebook pages and stuff like that. Like, look, it ain't the guy's fault who's excited about something that happened with the team that you're mad at Jerry Reinsdorf. Like, give the fan a break. Now, again, if he's a fan that gets in there and tells you that Jerry's great and Rick Hahn's doing a wonderful job, have at it, tear him apart.
1: Well, and for things like, like, the Jake Berger debate that we're having here about whether or not he's somebody that that merits a potential All Star, it's it's your opinion, it's my opinion that he does. Okay, so we agree that that a guy who's got 16 homers in almost 100 less at bats than anybody else around him in the top 10 of home runs in the American League, other than Aaron Judge, who by the way, you know his his official at bats are deflated by how many walks he has, and he's been injured as well. We're sitting here saying one of the good things that as Sox fans we should all be able to agree on is the story of Jake Berger, okay? This guy who is not necessarily a front office favorite. This guy who has fought his way onto the team. This guy who has provided some highlights with the 16 home runs. This guy who, if he had been playing every day, if he had enough qualifying at bats, by the way, his 832 OPS would be in the top 15 and his 551 slugging on the year would be would would have him third in the American League but he doesn't have the sufficient number of bats to qualify for those we're just saying like hey he's wearing a white sox uniform let's rally around Jake Berger because he represents something good on the season even if the season itself is lost even if the season itself really should be uh, you know like you said a, a end in a bloodletting, of the front office, and it should be, it should instead of going from a mild disaster, it should go to Hinderberg levels of disaster. Jake Berger is the humanity there, right? So <laughs> why why not so get weird. along with your fellow White Sox fans and just sit there and say, hey, look, there's a couple of good things going on here. Luis Robert Jr. is a really good baseball player, and he's a guy that we can be fans he's
0: of. He's the best baseball player on the team. He's the best baseball player on the team. Objectively, he's good at his job. Right, he's the best baseball player on the team. He's maddening with his streakiness. But the clear-cut best baseball player on the team is Luis Robert Jr. If you don't believe that, it's because you just have a favorite because he's your favorite for some other reason. But if we're going to talk about the best— If, if, you, if you told me you get one player off the team and you could start your team, and trust me, I will be outdrawing the White Sox by halfway through the first season— It'll be over because I could, we could, uh, I could, I could assemble a staff of of college interns to do most of the stuff that this team does wrong, better than what this team does. Okay, and I. So would, the Chicago Linuities right. are
1: going to be the better team.
0: Exactly, and I would take the Chicago Linuities and Louis Robert Jr. and I would just walk out the door because that's that. It would be a no-brainer. I wouldn't even have to think about it. I'd be like, that's the guy. I'm taking him. Taking him with me. Now you can't. I don't think that he has all the best qualities. There are some times where he kind of aggravates me. But you know what? Overall, you cannot deny how good he is. And he's the best player on the White Sox. And he, he should be an all-star. If he's not an all-star, it's an absolute travesty. He's an all-star. So, I mean, like that's your best guy right now in Chicago.
1: And as fans, we should, you know, Sox fans, we should be rooting for him to get better. We should be rooting for him to do things and just in awe of the things that he does. and And where you would take him to start your own franchise... I'm just shocked, shocked, given the things that have gone on this week, that Zach Remillard's not even in your
0: conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get him when the White Sox wave him in three
2: weeks. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.